0: Hello and welcome to The Jericho. Show. I, as always, am Javad Malik. On this week's episode, we talk about 500 million scraped uh, credentials, we talk about uh, refunding ransomware, and we dramatically read some stuff with our special guest. You don't want to miss it.
1: Welcome to The Jericho Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics poorly presented.
0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the show.
1: Uh, today, we have, obviously, Eric Krohn with us, as always. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. It's been a while. We've, we've taken a little bit of time off here, but we are back. Yeah, I'm sure all three of our viewers noticed that,
0: um, and they were sending us emails saying, when are you going to be back? And we have a very special guest, someone I've known for uh, a long time. Um, I'd like to call her a friend. Um, whether she agrees or not, whether we're just like <laughs> acquaintances or the, the person I just tolerate, that's up to her. But Trisha Howard, AKA Trisha Kicksass, welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, We'll make sure that that excitement wears off very soon. But um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we can fix that.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worries.
0: So you're Trisha Kicksass on Twitter um let, let's uh add your uh add your little tweet down there on the screen for those listening to the podcast you can't see it but it's trisha kicks s-a-a-s uh, as it's spelled uh listen to our podcast on the thegerickshow.podbean.com or here on youtube anyway let's jump straight into the stories for the week uh scrape data of 500 million linkedin users being sold online and uh, 2 million of those were leaked as proof.
1: Eric, what have you got to say about this? Well, first of all, I'm gonna call you out as a liar because in the intro you said scraped credentials, which is not true, my friend. Um, What they actually did here is they went through and they scraped profiles, a lot of different profiles. Now it was interesting when I first saw this, um, they claimed it was a, a dump, right? When I first saw this and they made it sound like it was going to be some sort of a, a major, you know, uh, breach. But what's really happened here is they they've basically gone through and they've scraped all these profiles of all these people. But the thing is, I mean, there are so many connecting pieces in LinkedIn that can put you, um, you know, with other people and make these connections. So this is like a social engineer's dream. It saves them a lot of time and effort having to go out and do their OSINT as well. Now, the value of something like this to be sold out there i mean what to say right there a four digit minimum price um, it'll be interesting to see if that really kind of happens or not but it was very interesting that they just scraped all of these so yeah you can see the information there it's not credentials you don't have to reset your passwords you're not going to get one of those um, you know those emails that say we we caught you watching porn and here's your linkedin password like they did before with that 10 year old linkedin passwords um, you're not going to see that again. Um, but it, it still is quite a bit of, of interesting information out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Trisha, if you were an evil hacker, what, how would you, um,
0: go about using this information?
2: Awfully assumptive that I'm not. <laughs> um, <Allegedly. laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I think the social engineering thing would be probably what I would go to. Right. Um, I mean, fishing obviously is still the biggest way that people are getting in. And if there's an easier way for me to do it, then I'm going to go the easier way. To be honest, like from what I read about it, um, it's not really any information you couldn't get just on LinkedIn. I mean, it's it's the same stuff. Maybe the LinkedIn IDs, I you know, might take a little bit more. But we put all of our info on social media willingly. So it's not like this info couldn't have been found. It's just an easier repository. So I would just use it for ease of use. Um, if, if there's a way that I could potentially make money with doing less work, I'm going to do it that way.
1: Now, I just saw something here, Javad, that I want to point out. If you scroll down there, where it says like what to do now, um, it's down towards the bottom there. Next steps. Uh, there you go. Okay. Next steps. If you zoom in on there real quick, um, look at the third bullet point there. So, what is the point of something like that? I mean, you know, we we've talked sometimes about like responsible reporting, sort of things, and but when you're when you're this is just a little pet peeve when you got something like this and you're putting it out there to tell people to change the password on their LinkedIn and the email accounts because of a scrape. Um, this is. I don't know. Um, I just I noticed that and it stood out to me. Yeah.
2: I hate this because actually if I were the attacker to answer your question, Javad, I would look at this and be like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a, a, a phishing that's reset link or whatever that mm-hmm. d- dumps to a dummy LinkedIn thing. So, um, yeah, I, I actually, I can't stand this. Um, it's sensationalism reporting when it comes to yeah. security and, um, Yes there is a time for you to change your passwords and uh, and your passwords to your social media as well as email this is not the time it was they scraped the data that you give them willingly.
0: Give yeah credit. absolutely absolutely and i think this also it 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 shifts attention away from where the actual root cause was so people read this and they start thinking, "Oh, maybe because I reused a password or I wasn't using a password manual, or I didn't enable two FA. That that was somehow contributed to the actual data scrape, which it didn't at all. It's right. purely how the how the system was architected
1: and and the lack of controls to prevent scraping that that allowed it to happen.
2: So. Yeah.
1: I think <laughs> to go down this bunny trail a little bit here i mean look at the guidance here consider using a password manager to create strong passwords and store them securely it says nothing about making them unique across all of your different um accounts i mean this is just kind of like bad guidance i'm sorry we got stuck on this folks i just happened to catch this when we went by and i just see a lot of bad guidance being put out in this that you know like you said it's sensationalism and it's almost like it's just boilerplate sort of any kind of a, a cyber story we have, we're going to throw this in there. I don't know. So what, what's this link? Use our personal data leak checker.
2: Oh, it was like, have I, um, it, it have was I a, a play on have I been pwned, but it was for LinkedIn specifically.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's your email, Eric? I don't have one. <laughs> it's I hate email at AOL.com.
2: <laughs> Can't get fished if you don't read your email.
1: Holden. Oh, yep. yep. Nice uh, try. Okay. I
0: nice think try. I think none of us want to want to give away. I actually I forget you guys. Oh.
2: You sure you want to do this so all the infosec bros can talk to you about OSINT?
0: Oh no, your email address and, has been leaked. Oh um, no. Oh no. <laughs> Um, Get a VPN.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. That's hilarious. The thing is, again,
0: this is misleading. Like, like you said, Trisha, it's all misleading. misleading. Yeah, it's okay. My email address has been involved in breaches in the past. That's fine. But the way I I thought it would be when I came to this, follow this link, I thought it'd be like check if your data has been leaked. So has my name, has my LinkedIn profile, has my friends' connections all been leaked, and I'm none the wiser. So. Um, yeah, I don't want to. More than likely,
2: more than likely, regardless of what email you put in there, it's okay. going to kick to that because this is obviously a promoted post. I'm in marketing. Nothing gets past me, honey. Um, all of this is is just a, a marketing ploy. So, yeah, I, I I don't know. I agree with you. I, I think. Um, A lot of the time something happens and it's the same five pieces of advice and don't get me wrong. I do think that I'm I'm huge into security awareness. It's what I built my entire brand on. But with that being said, it has to be responsible. We can't just be telling everybody to go get a password manager. If if they lose the credentials to their password manager, now their entire thing is messed up if they have it in a sticky note in the back on a Zoom call. So they're like, I don't know. It, oh, ooh, my blood pressure is rising.
1: Breathe. Excellent. Breathe. Yes. Breathe. That's okay, what we're here know. for is to, uh, yeah, to get our, our guests all upset. <laughs> Wonderful. Well done. <laughs> Eric has that effect on people. So. I did learn something here though, and I learned that Nord has a password something there because that was Nord Pass, not that NordVPN. Nord, yeah. That's I, mm-hmm. I did learn that. So yay. Yep. Yay. So um <laughs> on, on slightly better
0: uh news. Uh Ziggy.
2: This is hysterical.
0: Yeah, <laughs> am somewhere. Uh, they've announced uh, refunds on uh, all, all their victims. So apparently the, the 5-0, the feds, the pigs, they're after them and they're feeling the heat and uh, they're, they're trying to get out of the kitchen. So what they're saying is like, send us your email and proof of uh, like, you know, whichever one you, you paid us with and we will offer you a full refund. Um, what do you make of this, Eric? Is, is it, is, is that a, a, are people actually getting refunds from this and B, is that enough to uh, to to put the matter to rest? It's like, we gave you your money back. Forget about all the trauma we
1: caused you. Yeah, you know what? I don't know all the details on here. Like, I don't know anyone that's actually gotten a refund from this. Um, and there's a couple of interesting ways this can go. Um, for example, let's say, let's just throw this one out there. Um Let's say at the time that you got uh you know, you paid your ransom, you paid with a, a half a bitcoin, and that was twenty thousand dollars or or ten thousand dollars, right? Um, and now the bitcoins are worth a bit more. <laughs> do they keep the profits? I don't know. Um, but it is kind of interesting that they turned around, and yeah, you know, it, it's like the fuzz is on them, and so they got scared and uh decided they were gonna they were gonna do this. And we saw it was a long time ago, but there was actually a ransomware actor. That, you know, got like a, a bout of consciousness or something. I don't know. They 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 basically felt bad about what they were doing. And they released a master key to give everyone their, their stuff back. Like they felt bad. Um, but this is kind of new. This is a very interesting um, thing that happened here. And, and I'm picturing in my head a bunch of people sitting around extremely paranoid right now. Like, what was that noise? you know, and, and like doubling back when they go to the store, seeing if they got tails. I mean, I'm just picturing this in my head because that's what I want to picture for people like this that run ransomware schemes. Um, I want them to be miserable, quite frankly, whether they're giving the money back or not. They're not doing it because they care. They're doing it because they're scared. They're scared. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what 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 I think is like, whether it's real or not,
0: I think the fact that they made the claim shows that they they actually have a bit more morals and values than than some people I know in the industry. Like I, I really think some some security professionals should turn around to their employer and say, you know, for the last five years I've been taking money from you, I've not actually been delivering much. I'm going to give you a refund on all the money you've been paying me. <laughs> I think that would be
1: far more honest.
2: Not oh my it. god.
1: So we've noticed what we sold you is turned into shelfware, and we'd like to make that right.
2: <laughs> Come on,
1: never gonna happen, man. Never gonna happen.
2: That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I, and maybe this is just like me, the cynical, paranoid person that I am. But like, I, I would actually distrust this so much more. Like the fact that they're coming out here and sure. saying we'll give you your money back. Like to me, my, my first thought is is this another way for them to scam me again you know what i mean like maybe um maybe the the security team like didn't want anybody to find out and so they just paid it you know out of their budget and then now they'd have to get like the finance team involved i'm like i don't know there's there's something sketch about it i feel like it's probably largely an empty an empty thing like hey we're backing off sorry sorry people fbi people watching me right now um you know, and and nobody, I like, I would be really surprised. One, if they actually paid it back, but moreover, if anybody actually tried to get their money back, I I think that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, the reply to that could be, um, just follow this link and confirm your bank account information. But that's we'll what send I'm the money back. <laughs> exactly,
2: like you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I it, it, if I saw this, I'd just be like, get me once, that's on you. Get me twice, that's on me. Like, no way, <laughs> no chance. You are
1: cynical, Trisha. Just going to throw that out there. I am,
2: <laughs> I really am.
1: You know, it's part of being in this industry though too. And I, I've talked to my kids about that. You know, we're, we're in this industry where we see all this stuff that goes wrong all the time and, and we're dealing with risk all the time. Like I've explained to them, I'm walking across the Walmart parking lot and I'm like, that car could back up and kill us and this could happen there. And you're always looking at these different things. And it kind of jades you after a while. You know, you, the yeah. big the good things you're actually looking at like, That seems really suspicious. I'm really sus with that.
2: Honestly, it's true. I mean, we see it on Twitter a lot, right? So there'll be, um, you know, a new person in the industry that is, you know, female or a person of color or, you know, something. And, uh, and of course it's, it's a, it's a sock account. And it's somebody who's a known abuser who has created tons of accounts specifically to target women and people of color, right? And um, they will get, you know, hundreds of retweets and acceptance into the community. And then you come out to find out that it's a troll. And um, what's sad about it is to your point, like we get so cynical about everything that um, it, it ends up hurting the people that actually are real and really do want to be part of the community. So it sucks.
1: Yeah. It's hard on us personally too. I mean, I'm 28 years old. And, uh, you know, security is hard. You can see what it did to me in, in my 28 years of life. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I mean, it, it it can be. And especially, I mean, we're doing this pandemic thing now, right? And so if we go into this with kind of a bleak outlook on life, that's not a good thing. And I also think about the new people that do try to get started in InfoSec. And they're like, hey, guys. And everyone's like, oh, you know, and they <laughs> yeah. pull on. Or, uh, yeah. Who knows? This could be somebody who's trying to pull one of those things, you know? Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> you, Oh, what a fun, fun world we live in, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Well, um, no,
1: you, you don't. I don't think even you've. I don't think the
0: time you've been in the industry, Trisha, justifies the amount of cynicism you
1: have within you. <laughs> I think maybe we're naturally cynics when we get into <laughs> yes, this yeah. industry too. It doesn't hurt. That's <laughs> probably true.
2: It's probably true. I, I've I've been cynical probably my whole life around around a lot of different things. Um, but again, it comes to I am so into true crime. All right, like I watch. I grew up watching Lifetime movies. I, I literally like on if I have a weekend off, I just watch like true crime documentaries all weekend. And so I'm sure that that probably plays into it a little bit too. Um, you know, just like sitting in your house and be like, this could be the day I die. Yeah. This could be it.
0: <laughs> just a caveat, uh, Trisha and all our listeners, Eric and I are not trained uh, therapists or psychiatrists. <laughs> <laughs> Please consult a medical profession before making any big decisions. Just putting it out there. Not great oh, point. my
2: God. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Enough. Okay, Enough. So,
0: uh, how did you um, come into the, uh, the the cybersecurity
1: industry, Tricia? Yeah. Uh, when was this? What was your path up to it? Yeah, you were
2: like, I'm a happy person. I love the world. I'm going to get into cyber, right? And. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I didn't even know what cyber was. Um, it was, it was completely an accident. So, um, I actually, um, I'm an artist by nature. Uh, my degree is in theater arts and, um, I've been singing my whole life. Very, very artistic, uh, background. And, um, when I was a senior in college, I, had discovered uh lighting design. So I I mostly stayed on the performance side, but I, I did a lot in the technical and design as well and fell into lighting a little later and I fell in love with it. I, it's like one of still one of my favorite things to do. And um decided that that was the path that I was going to take and uh at the last minute had everything set up ready to go. Um somebody else came into the MFA cool, uh, for this particular program and had a lot more experience than me. And, uh, they only took three people and I was number four. Quick and, note, yep.
1: MFA here is not multi-factor authentication.
2: Oh, apologies. It's- yes. Uh, <laughs> uh ma- <laughs> masters of fine arts, masters of fine arts. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: Was like, um, token? What that good end? catch.
2: <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Yeah. Um, uh, master it's, it's a master's program. Yeah. So, um, I, Uh, freaked out naturally. Um, I've always been a bit of a planner. And uh, whenever your whole life now, I I, I didn't realize this at the time I do now, Um, you know, most people graduate college and have no idea what the hell they're going to do. But I, I, I've never been like that. I've always known what I was going to do. And um, so it was a bit, bit of a shakeup. And I posted something very millennial on my uh, Facebook. And I was just like, you know, searching for a job is so hard. I've been looking for a week. Let's be real. I'm dramatic. Um, And so I was like, I was like, I, I just, I, nobody cared, you know, whatever. And and one of my friends commented and was like, yeah, college grad, like get a job. And I was like, but nobody cares about my artistic experience and how am I supposed to find anything? And, um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, turned out, uh, there was somebody, uh, and it was an inside sales job. I had no idea what I was doing. I had, I didn't even understand what the company was. It was a, a value added reseller. And, um, I found out about the job on a Tuesday. I got the offer letter in my hand on Friday and I moved up halfway across the country two weeks later by myself. Wow. Um, and, uh, I had no friends and I, learned i just spent all my free time uh learning about the industry and learning about technology it was mostly uc at the time unified communications and um i remember whenever um <laughs> the first security vendor came and presented to us and my eye i mean it was like i will show you the world it was a whole new <laughs> it was a whole new thing for me and um uh and i, I just fell in love with it and um, I, I've spent most of my career on the sales side. I've recently transitioned into marketing, uh, which I'm much more in my element with, with, you know, with all the creative stuff. Um, but it's, it's been really kind of fun coming into security adjacent um, from the, the marketing and sales side, because I was able to kind of watch the industry and be like, is this something I really want to do? Yeah. This is something I want to do. And then, and then get into the like nitty gritty and the, and the, cause I do like the technical stuff as much as I can, understand it um, and then communicate that out to the masses. Um, that's what I do now.
1: I got to say, um, just, I love this. Um, much like your, one of your tweets said, you do spontaneously break out on song. And oh, no, I think that's it's awesome. That's <laughs> I mean, really a thing. This is it's awesome.
2: A, it's a real, it happened yesterday on a team call I my audio was messed up or whatever I'm sitting here I'm singing away I'm thinking man where is everybody on this call I look over my chief marketing officer is on this call and he's like sitting there and I finally figure it out I was like oh my goodness and so I fixed the the audio and all I hear is him pop on and be like man we need to start all of our marketing calls like this and I was (laughs) like all right <laughs> oh sorry,
1: hit a, hit a rabbit trail there. I just thought it was funny yeah. because yeah.
2: Um no, it really but, does happen.
1: Yeah, but that that's actually uh fascinating coming in through uh <laughs> sales and uh <laughs> and the marketing gig. And and it is kind of funny, you know, there's parallels between what people do in fishing and marketing, which which is something I don't mean to drag us back to fishing, but I've told our marketing people before, I'm like, um, y'all are sketchy. With, Are you like, kidding me? We're the best social things.
2: engineers out there. Don't play with me. I get people who literally get paid to tell people not to do this to click on my emails. I'm a really good social engineer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. actually, actually, I, I was I as uh, listening to this talk, and the guy really well explained. He goes like, marketing is just as important as innovation. Everything else is a cost to the company. He goes like, because think about it. You either uh, find out what people want and then you make a product that meets that need. Or you find out what you can make and then make a, find a way to make people want it. And that's marketing. So marketing is just as important as innovation because you're never gonna get both. So you're gonna need a bit of, build something that people kind of want and then you build a desire in them to, to want that uh, more. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are very irrational when they come to purchasing decisions and everything. And marketers are, like you said, I think they are the best social engineers out there. The good ones are. Uh, yeah. Bad ones are just like bullies. They just beat
1: you down and so say, like, You will buy this now. <laughs> well, this industry's full of that too. I mean, you know, having been on the other side of the phone, um, when I've talked to our salespeople, you know, because they're always like, Hey, what can I do to, to get people more interested? And I'm like, give them value, don't just call them yeah. and be like, hey, da da da, da da da. Give them something that they care about whenever you reach out to them. So it's not like, oh, great. Cause I've completely avoided people um, for months because I just got hammered by people. At a certain sim vendor, <clears throat> uh, with uh, yeah, we won't go into that, Javad. Uh, but you know who they are. Um, I mean, one time I signed up for something, and I was just like, "Leave me alone, people!" Yeah, um, it's it's bad in our industry with that, and it's so just, you know, I don't know. I guess it's it's one of these just incredibly high pressure uh, sorts of roles here, um, and it's, there's so much competition.
2: Leadership. It's bad As leadership. A, it's bad leadership. I, I on the on the sale being coming from the sales side, you know, the that pressure and stuff comes from really old sales techniques that worked in the dot com days that do not work now. They um and you know. I try really hard whenever I'm like doing my readings or whatever to communicate that I was there, that I've been on that side because I don't want people to think that I'm like just bashing on sales, but it's a tough job. It's a really tough job. It's high pressure. Um, You could, you literally do not know if you're going to get fired. That day, in some times. Um, and so it's, you know, like the, the customer decides at the very last minute that they're going to go with a solution that has nothing to do with you. And suddenly your project is put off. I mean, there's a lot of external factors that come in that really make sales a very, very tough job. And there's a lot of respect for the good ones. But the problem is, we bring these people in, um, like me, right, right out of college, have no idea what they're doing, um, on phones or whatever, and train them to be these bulldogs. I mean, literally we would get told, don't take no for an answer. Um, no, actually those are called boundaries. And we like those. <laughs> um, so, you know, like you, you, it's, it's, it's bad leadership. <laughs> what? You,
0: no. So, um, you, 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 you mentioned dramatic and, and like for our listeners and viewers, um, who, who might not be a fr- uh, uh, familiar, you do these fantastic, uh, dramatic reading of sales emails where people submit to you the their, their emails that they receive from salespeople that are just like, they don't respect those boundaries. And you do these fantastic, dramatic readings of it. Where, where can people find it? Is it all on your Twitter account? Or you can YouTube channel uh, as
2: well. It's in my YouTube channel. Um, I'll uh, I'll send you the link for it. Um, you can okay. put it in it. Yeah, it's it's you can you can find me on uh on uh YouTube at Trisha kicks sass. I think is what it's under now. Um, or just Trisha A Howard was, as well.
1: I mean, um, that's me, what it's
2: easiest way to find them.
1: Tell me you're thinking about TikTok because even Javad can get views on TikTok. I mean. <laughs> These would be perfect for that audience.
2: They would be, and I'm, I'm kicking myself honestly. Um, I, I should have jumped on the TikTok train when it was first starting. I think that this would have been perfect for that. Um, I, I didn't want another social. I'll be honest. I didn't want another social media channel. Um, I, I run corporate social as well as my own, and and it's. I was just like, I don't have the time uh, to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so this is your YouTube channel. I just popped it up on the on the thing. Uh guys, you need to really check this out. This this is absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, that is a massive Red Bull can. You are gonna be <laughs> I had
2: to do something, I knew I was talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, you need the energy to keep up with uh, the Jarrett show. Uh, and, oh, uh,
2: the creeper, that was yours, Javad. That was mine, yes, I remember
0: yeah. that. That was so yeah. well done. <laughs>
1: Nice, nice. So, okay. So, coming from marketing, and, and we'll get back to. I know where Javad was going with this, but I, I'm curious. What is the best skill you think you took from your sales marketing stuff and turned into cyber?
2: Uh, well, I mean, there's the social engineering uh, for sure that we mentioned before. Um, this is going to sound kind of hokey. Um, but just listening to people. Um, I think when, um, when I didn't know anything about the industry, um, I, I would ask a lot of questions. Like I would get on cold calls. I was this person, I would get on cold calls and I would get the one person who would actually talk to me. And, um, I would just say, look, you've been so kind and I really appreciate it. Do you mind if I just like pick your brain for a second? Like I'll skip the pitch, you know, whatever. What did, what did you like about the pitch? Was there anything that was technically inaccurate? What are things that you're actually focusing on? Everybody around me would look at me like I was nuts. And I was like, whatever. I finally like one out of 150 people is actually having a conversation with me. I'm going to like extrapolate on that. And that's really helped me in um, in everything, right? In in particularly in cybersecurity, because I am marketing to a very cynical audience, and I am marketing to people who are are literally training other people not to click on links and asking them to click on a link when they don't know who I am. Um, like, you kind of get into that into that um, get into the head. I actually say that I'm a marketer who identifies as infosec because I do. I, I go much more on the privacy centric f- way. And the, um, you know, don't click on links. I, I it's, it's not a family gathering if I'm not asking people uh, what phishing emails they've gotten recently. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I would say, I would say that just communication um, and open communication and being open to, um, uh, to picking up on little things that uh, would seem like nothing, but then I use it.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. So, Javad, on that, I'm going to leave you to try to make that transition that you set up so nicely before, but have now completely run into a wall. So let's see. Let's see what you got here, man.
0: So, so you, yeah, yeah. So we'll ask you at the end what little, uh, what little things you've picked up on in Eric's personality, (laughs) seeing as your your listening skills are so great. Because there is, we could write essays on uh, on Eric and his. Anyway, so uh, we have a dramatic reading exercise for you out okay. really good so this is a, a, a ransom note that pops up on people's screens when they've been hit by ransomware and we would like to ask you to uh, take a take a few seconds to to soak this in and then tell us uh, how would you do this no pressure in the live okay in your own time
2: um, okay done I have to like get into a zone. Not many people get to see my creative process. So this is a treat. This is a treat. Should be charging you for this.
0: (laughs) We're giving you we're paying you an exposure.
2: (laughs) To your three (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Okay. Um all right. Let's see if I can do this. I don't usually do this in one take. All right. All of your files are currently encrypted by ContiStream. As you know, if you don't just Google it, all of the data that has been encrypted by our software cannot be recovered by any means without contacting our team directly. If you try to use any additional recovery software, the files might be damaged. So if you are willing to try, Try it on the data of the lowest value. To make sure that we can really can get your data back, we offer to decrypt two random files completely free of charge. (laughs) You can contact our team directly for further instructions through our website, Tor version. You should download and install Tor browser first. HTTP, a lot of numbers and letters, Dot .onion. HTTPS version, much shorter, a URL. You should be aware, just in case if you try to ignore us, we've downloaded a pack of our internal data and are ready to publish it on news website if you do not respond, so it will be better for- What are you, what are you doing? Uh, it will- be better for both sides if you contact us as soon as possible. That was in the style of the Ziggy ransomware. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I,
1: I got to say, Tricia, the, the, um, the head down, eyes up look, you would make a really good Pennywise the Clown like that. I mean, oh it was,
0: God, thank you, <laughs> I mean,
1: you look so angry and just so like, oh, man, that's incredible. That's
2: Thank incredible. you. I have mastered the Kubricks there, I will say. Um, <laughs> it's something I practice in my own time.
1: <laughs> Fantastic, well done. Yeah, you know, it it when you do that, it is kind of funny because it 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 kind of brings to light like the the wording and stuff that's in these um and how it's designed to do some emotional um kind of pulls and tugs. You know, we all know social engineering is about emotional, you know, Um, Tugging uh, And it just really, God, that is the biggest can of Red Bull I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) um, But anyways, yeah, it just, uh, it really kind of accentuates how dramatic those are written.
2: It is. My favorite one um, that I've ever done, I think, was the one I did for Jackery Cider, and it was in the style of Law and Order. And it was somebody asking him to publish one of their guest posts on his website. And it was it was so funny because um, when it hit me to do it as Law & Order, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Because <laughs> a lot of them are like goofy and silly and whatever. And this one was like really intense. And I actually got a couple of, of um, messages and they were like, yeah, okay. So I'm terrified of you now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's fantastic that you did something for Jack Resider. Cause um, yeah. you know, you mentioned earlier like true crime. My true crime is Darknet Diaries.
2: Oh my gosh. Um, it's I the just best. love that yeah.
1: podcast. Yeah. Um, you he's know, he's an
2: not, awesome dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if it's between us and them, uh, go watch Darknet Diaries, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's so awesome. It so drags you into things. That's mm-hmm. that's my true crime stuff. So that's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. it's awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so so let, let's uh uh try to give some some more value to to our listeners especially the young of the younger variety or people are maybe not young but they haven't worked in cybersecurity, and people are always trying to break into the industry and i love the fact that you've come from that sales and marketing background and you are now part of the community regardless of what anyone says uh because oftentimes people are like you know how do we get into the industry it's like oh you need to be a pen tester and you need to be able to script and code and what have you so (laughs) what advice uh would you give to people regardless of their background um as to like how to approach the industry and find find your place within it
2: Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be a little biased here, but I I do think social media is a good way. Um, There are so many people who have um, large presences who are willing to help, uh, you know, get people involved. Um, To be honest, I think think the biggest problem isn't even necessarily getting them into the industry, it's letting them know that they can. Like, the people that come from alternative backgrounds, um, it's it's like, oh, well, I mean, from my personal experience, if you had told me when I was in college that I would be sitting here talking about cybersecurity, I would be like, one, what is that? Two, LOL. So like, what, we, I think we need to be doing a, a better job of, as a community of reaching out to those people that are not, don't come from the, um, uh, the tech backgrounds, the computer science backgrounds and whatever. Now on the other side, if you are wanting to get into it, a lot of, a lot of people in the industry are very nice and they will, uh, they will definitely like take the time and mentor, ask for mentors, ask for who you should be looking for. Um, and don't be afraid mm-hmm to take a non-technical path into it. If you have an opportunity to take a job at a security company, take the job and get in that way uh, because you never know where it'll go.
1: Cool, wise words, wise words. Yeah, that's, um. you know, I, I found it very interesting. I was trying to look this up here real quick. Um, w- one of the coolest or the, the most thought-provoking um, presentations I've seen like since I've been around and stuff. Was it a, a B sides? I want to say it was Philly. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but the presentation was actually from a gal named Megan and I'll see if I can find her and and tag her on this later. Um, but she did a presentation about her time when she lived in Russia Mm -hmm. and about the kind of propaganda ads and things like that, that went on there. And it kind of opened my mind to think, well, what is it that, that, We see and think and how much of that is propaganda. It really brought a very interesting kind of view to my mind. And she wasn't necessarily, you know, a cyber person per se. Um, I think she's kind of gone down that route a little bit over the years. She was, you know, really working towards it. Um, But it was a very refreshing view That came from the outside because this is somebody that's like, "Hey, you know, when I was over there, I saw this. I saw the posters that made people look this way and that way, and talk about the Americans as awesome as we are, Um, America. Got to throw that one in there, right? Uh, But you know, yeah, (laughs) Chabad loves it when I do that. But it was a really cool." you know, it it was really thought provoking to go, you know what? Yeah. How much can I trust of what I see and how much control do people have over there? Not to put the tinfoil hat on, but it really was cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We get stuck in our own bubbles, particularly in, uh, you know, particularly in such a niche industry. And it is, InfoSec is a niche industry. We need to be honest with ourselves on that. (laughs) Um, And uh, we get into our bubbles and, you know, we, communicate only to each other and whatever. And it's easy to just propagate this, this idea or whatever. It's when I actually, I did a, a little thing for Javad, uh, before where it was like, what, what irritates you about the industry? And I was like, what, other than everything, like people just have these (laughs) egos that are bigger than they should be, um, you know, about it. And, um, people who, people like Meg, people, uh, you know, uh, like me, even who bring the bring the security story to people who are not in infosec. Like we need people like that. And and to be fair, the people who are in infosec can't do it as well as we can because they are in the nitty gritty. That's just the truth of it. And the only way that we're going to get past that is by having people from diverse backgrounds, um, including uh, not including like arts and music and you know political science. Like you know. Me- coming into this.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's absolutely right. And and also it, it's that diversity uh, brings inclusion and people don't feel as alienated. Like if you don't look or sound or have the same background as other people, you're just gonna, yep. you're always gonna be second guessing yourself. But if you see yep. other people, that person looks, sounds like me, comes from the same background as me and they made it, then there's, there's, there's hope for me. And I think that's a really uh, overlooked aspect of uh, what what happens a lot of the time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's an intimidating field to get into. It, it really is uh, for people that want to take that plunge. And you know, you made an interesting point about some of the egos here and how people forget. You know, they think they're such a big deal, but they're a, you know they're the big fish in a very small pond. It is very niche, oh. and no matter how well known you get, um, it doesn't matter. I mean, just today I had somebody say that they recognized me from Circle City Con. <laughs> And, uh, you know, <laughs> apparently I'm a big deal. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, but no, I mean, there are people that like that, that, you know, they, they let that go to their head and they think they're all special. But we're really in, in such a small pool. Ultimately, when you step back and look, uh, it drives me a little crazy. I think what we need to be doing is we need to be supporting each other in these roles, which are tough which we can't know all of, right? You know, I've been in IT and security since the mid-90s. I'm not a coder. Guess what? You hear all these people say, oh, you've got to be able to code. Uh, No, you really don't. You know, there's certain things you need to be able to do, but I need to be able to know somebody that can, just like I knew people that were deep in this, and you build those relationships and help each other out because ultimately... In this industry what we're trying to do is make the world a better place. It's not about me, it's not about Javad, it's not about you. It's about making the world safer and getting like these crappy people from taking advantage of people. Sorry, mm-hmm. little soapbox rant there. Wow. No,
2: but it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Um and it's also a big soapbox rant of mine.
1: Oh, so. Yeah. Brilliant. Javad, you don't care.
0: We can call this a (laughs) box episode. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. I also think that, you know, the industry, it's a lot bigger than what a lot of us see it. I think it's a lot more easier to get into the industry if you stay off Twitter and you don't go to conferences. (laughs) Because you'll still get a job in security in some place and you'll be free of all the drama and you can do it as a as a, as a regular job and you can learn stuff and you can enjoy interacting with your immediate colleagues and go home at the end of the day and not have to worry about
1: this stuff on the weekends. Um, That's an interesting point. Cause you know, the whole time I was with DOD um, in my position as a security manager over an organization that handled basically the army's network backbone, um, you know, network wise and active directory for classified and unclassified. I had to lay really low. Like, like mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't get out there and, and throw my name around very much, and it was probably the happiest time in InfoSec for me I've ever <laughs> had because you know? we we didn't deal with that. We just did our jobs and we did things, and sure, we went places and we learned stuff, but we weren't a part of all that stuff that, that tends to get spun up by honestly a fairly small amount of people in our industry.
2: Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I I do. I, I appreciate what Javad says. And I'm, I, again, I don't come from the actual infosex side, so I'm sure that there's like a whole other thing there, but I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten so many podcast interviews from Twitter. I've gotten, um, so many, uh, interview opportunities, uh, that I never would have gotten otherwise. And I, I think, um, I think there's a place for it, um, but you do have to be able to separate to Javad's point because, and it is—it's a very small sect of the community that's just constantly stirring things up. It's like every day. It's like, what's going to happen on InfoSec Twitter today? What's on our bingo card for today? Um, uh, so, you know, I get it, um, uh, but you know, I, I, I do love it. I do think that it, it InfoSec Twitter. Ninety-nine percent of it is a fantastic place, full of fantastic people um, who genuinely want this industry to be better than it is. Um, and so, you know, there's my like.
0: Exactly. Sure. <laughs> you know what? Well, we could do this all day. Yeah. Uh, Eric, did you have something to add to that? You know, I think it's. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's all good fun and games. Uh, we we like to keep it tight on this show we don't like to just fluff about and and cause and just like run our mouths for hours on end like some inferior podcasts do trisha it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show Uh, thank
2: you for having me
0: yeah no no, it's been great and uh folks don't forget to follow trisha on uh social media twitter we'll put all the links in the show notes i say we i'll get my PA eric to do it And uh, uh, until next week, uh, have a great one. Stay secure, my friends.